0: hi i'm ken and i'm Dee, and this is antiques freaks with our very special patreon presentation of the penny dreadful varney the vampire or the feast of blood we are on chapter seven the visit to the vault of the bannerworths and its unpleasant result the mystery
1: (laughs) it's unpleasant result i feel like you're underselling it a little there
0: Henry and his brother roused Flora, and after agreeing together that it would be highly imprudent to say anything to her of the proceedings of the night, they commenced a conversation with her in encouraging and kindly accents. What accent?
1: Oh, they tried Scottish, right?
0: (laughs) They tried a delightful soft Scottish burr. (laughs) I do love how the order of operations here says that they woke her up, then had a conversation between themselves... In front of her, where they agreed not to tell her anything. And then talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Flora, said Henry, you see you have been quite undisturbed tonight. I have slept long, dear Henry. You have, and pleasantly too, I hope. I have not had any dreams, and I feel much refreshed now and quite well again. Thank heaven, said George. If you will tell dear mother that I am awake, I will get up with her assistance. The brothers left the room, and they spoke to each other of it as a favourable sign that Flora did not object to being left alone now, as she had done on the preceding morning. "'She is fast recovering now, George,' said Henry. "'If we could now but persuade ourselves that all this alarm would pass away, and that we should hear no more of it, we might return to our old and comparatively happy condition. Let us believe, Henry, that we shall. And yet, George, I shall not be satisfied in my mind until I have paid a visit.' "'A visit? Where?' To the family vault. Indeed, Henry, I thought you had abandoned that idea.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I forgot about it like 30 times.
0: I had. I have several times abandoned it, but it comes across my mind again and again.
1: (laughs) Oh, I was kidding. All right, sure.
0: I much regret it. Look you, George, as yet everything that has happened has tended to confirm a belief in this most horrible of all superstitions concerning vampires.
1: It's at this point, like, if you got a Varney tattoo, it might be the phrase, a horrible of all superstitions concerning vampires.
0: It has. Now, my great object, George, is to endeavor to disturb such a state of things by getting something, however slight or of a <laughs> negative character, for the mind to rest upon on the other side of the question.
1: <laughs> love, uh, I'm kind of starting to come around and starting to really love these exceptionally arduous sentences. <laughs>
0: It's like Celtic knotwork, but with words. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I comprehend you, Henry. Great. That makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You You are completely alone. You know that at present we are not only led to believe, almost irresistibly, that we have been visited here by a vampire, but that that vampire is our ancestor, whose portrait is on the panel of the wall of the chamber into which he contrived to make his way. Wow whose portrait is on the panel of the wall of the chamber
1: of the chamber
0: into which he contrived to make his way
1: you know that's interesting because it seems to me as if he had fully made his way into the room
0: if you look up arduous in the dictionary you find that sentence true most true then let us by an examination of the family vault george put an end to one of the evidences if we find, as we most surely we shall, the coffin of the ancestor of ours, who seems, in dress and appearance, so horribly mixed up in this affair, we shall be at rest on that head. <laughs> mixed up in the
1: affair, like he's not aware- like- like he's not aware that any of this is happening.
0: <laughs> A vampire just accidentally stumbled into their house and drank their blood.
1: <laughs> he's all mixed up in this, he didn't mean to.
0: Mr. Beaned his way into vampirism. <laughs> you
1: mean my waifu, Mr. Bean?
0: <laughs> no. But consider how many years have elapsed. Yes, a great number. (laughs) Great. What, then, do you suppose, could remain of any corpse placed in a vault so long ago?
1: Well, we're not- alright. Okay, get with the program, sir. We're not going to make sure that the corpse is still there, because I think we could all guess that what's left of the corpse is a corpse.
0: (laughs) Decomposition must, of course, have done its work, but still there must be something to show that the corpse has so undergone the process common to all nature.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Do these boys not know what bones are?
0: Oh my god, I don't think these boys know what bones are.
1: One of them seems to have faith that something would be left behind, but normally you would know that that something is the bones.
0: Double the lapse of time (laughs) surely could not obliterate all traces of that which had been.
1: They don't know about bones!
0: I don't think these boys know about bones!
1: These bones bones don't know about boys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is reason in that, Henry. Besides, the coffins are all of lead and some of stone, so that they cannot have all gone.
1: <laughs> I am loving this debate about if corpses can- s- I love it. <laughs> These boys are fully- they're, they're dumb. They don't know- they don't know nothing.
0: These boys might be stupid, which might go some way to explain why they consider Mr. Marchdale such an authority on the world. Because they don't even know that bones exist. <laughs>
1: It also explains a lot about the vampire of their family that seems to be haunting them. This is just kind of how the Marchdales are. I'm sorry, not Marchdale. I didn't mean to drag you into this, Mr. Marchdale.
0: The Bannerworths.
1: Bannerworths, thank you.
0: True. Most true. If in the one which, from the inscription and the date, we discover to be that of our ancestor whom we seek, we find the evident remains of a corpse, we shall be satisfied that he has rested in his tomb in peace.
1: (laughs) No one has said the word bones yet. I am loving it.
0: Brother, you seem bent on this adventure, said George. If you go, I will accompany you. I will not engage rashly in it, George. Before I finally decide, I will again consult with Mr. Marchdale. His opinion will weigh much with me. I bet. Now we will discover if Mr. Marchdale knows what bones are. (laughs) And in good time, here he comes across the garden, said George, as he looked from the window of the room in which they sat. It was Mr. Marchdale. Imagine... "'and the brothers warmly welcomed him as he entered the apartment. "'You have been early afoot,' said Henry. "'I have,' he said. "'The fact is that although at your solicitation I went to bed, "'I could not sleep, and I went out once more to search about the spot "'where we had seen the—the I don't know what to call it, "'for I have a great dislike to naming it a vampire.' "'There is not much in a name,' said George. "'In this instance there is,' said Marchdale. "'It is a name suggestive of horror.' "'Made you any discovery?' said Henry.' None whatsoever. You saw no trace of anyone. Not the least. Well, Mr. Marchdale, George and I were talking over this projected visit to the family vault. Yes.
1: (laughs) What a conversationalist Mr. Marchdale is.
0: A regular raconteur. And we agreed to suspend our judgments until we saw you and learned your opinion. Which I will tell you frankly, said Mr. Marchdale, because I know you desire it freely. Do so. (laughs) Is Is he possessed? What's going on? It is that you make the visit. Indeed.
1: Mr. Marchdale, please, I'm begging you.
0: Yes, and for this reason, you have now, as you cannot help having, a disagreeable feeling that you may find that one coffin is untenanted. Now, if you do find it so, you scarcely make matters worse by an additional confirmation of what already amounts to a strong supposition, and one which is likely to go stronger by time. Wow. Whew.
1: Never mind. I take it back, Mr. Marchdale. I guess in... To be fair to you, I also wouldn't have much to say to this guy.
0: True, most true.
1: Yeah, okay, never mind, now I'm mad again.
0: On the contrary, if you find indubitable proofs that your ancestor has slept soundly in the tomb and gone the way of all flesh, you will find yourselves much calmer and that an attack is made upon the train of events, which at present all run one way.
1: So no, Mr. Marchdale also doesn't know what bones are.
0: Does anyone in this house know what bones are?
1: They're all being extremely coy about what might be left behind in a tomb.
0: "'That is precisely the argument I was using to George,' said Henry, a few moments since. "'Then let us go,' said George, by all means. "'It is so decided, then,' said Henry. "'Let it be done with caution,' replied Mr. Marchdale. "'If anyone can manage it, of course we can.'"
1: Wow, where's all this bravado coming from?
0: "'Why should it not be done secretly and at night?' Of course we lose nothing by making a night visit to a vault into which daylight, I presume, cannot penetrate. Certainly not. Then let it be at night.
1: What? (laughs) I don't understand. It makes no difference, so we should just do it at night at secret. Like, what? What? (laughs) Okay, fine.
0: But we shall surely require the concurrence of some of the church authorities. Nay, I do not see that, interposed Mr. Marchdale. It is the vault actually vested in and belonging to yourself you wish to visit, and therefore you have right to visit it in any manner or at any time that may be most suitable to yourself. That is not how crypts work, but okay. But detection in a clandestine visit might produce unpleasant consequences. (laughs) Okay. The church is old, said George, and we could easily find means of getting into it. There is only one objection that I see just now, and that is that we leave Flora unprotected.
1: Did George just say, it doesn't matter if the vault belongs to us, we can just break in? Yeah, that's... yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right, George, it does... Mr. March... it does belong to you, George. Why do you have to go at night? Like, I don't understand any of the decisions they're making.
0: We do indeed, said Henry. I did not think of that. It must be put to herself, as a matter for her own consideration, said Mr. Marchdale... If she will consider herself sufficiently safe with the company and protection of your mother only. For her own consideration, if she will consider.
1: Listen, if she doesn't consider it, then we, we can't have her consideration. Now consider that.
0: Won't you? Thank you. <laughs> it would be a pity were we not all three present at the examination of the coffin, remarked Henry. Why
1: would that be a pity, Henry? <laughs>
0: It would indeed. There is ample evidence, said Mr. Marchdale, but we must not give Flora a night of sleeplessness and uneasiness on that account, and the more particularly, as we cannot well explain to her where we are going, or upon what errand. Certainly not. Let us talk to her, then, about it, said Henry. I confess I am much bent upon the plan, and fain would not forego it. (laughs) Neither should I like other than that we three should go together.
1: These, man, man, is really doing his level best to render the English language completely impassable
0: "'If you determine then upon it,' said Marchdale, "'we will go tonight, and from your acquaintance with the place, "'doubtless you will be able to decide what tools are necessary.'" "'Acquaintance with the place? You guys don't even know if there are bones inside of people.'" "'There is a trapdoor at the bottom of the pew,' said Henry. "'It is not only secured down, but it is locked likewise, and I have the key in my possession.'" "'Indeed?' "'Yes.'" Immediately beneath is a short flight of stone steps, which conduct at once into the vault. Is it large? No, about the size of a moderate chamber, and with no intricacies about it.
1: About the size of a moderate chamber.
0: Great. There could be no difficulties, then.
1: (laughs) There could none.
0: None whatever, unless we meet with actual personal interruption, which I am inclined to think is very far from likely. All we shall require will be a screwdriver, with which to remove the screws... No shit. And then something with which to wrench open the coffin.
1: I wonder if there's a tool that's very good for wrenching, anyway.
0: Those we can easily provide, along with the lights, remarked Mr. Marchdale. I hope to heaven that this visit to the tomb will have the effect of easing your minds and enabling you to make a successful stand against the streaming torrent of evidence that has poured in upon us regarding this most fearful of apparitions.
1: Whoa, uh, imagine carrying a fucking metaphor that far.
0: I do indeed hope so, added Henry, and now I will go at once to Flora and endeavor to convince her she is safe without us tonight. By the by, I think, said Mr. Marchdale, that if we can induce Mr. Chillingworth to come with us, it will be a great point gained in the investigation. Why? He would, said Henry, be able to come to an accurate decision with respect to the remains, if any, in the coffin, which we could not. Oh, my God. Oh, do they
1: think that they need a doctor to tell them if there are any bones in there?
0: They don't know what bones are. They have no idea what's inside the human body. A doctor is their only hope.
1: (laughs) I can't believe they're just like, we might need a doctor since he might have a better idea about what gets left behind when a people dies.
0: They don't know bones exist. They need all the help they can get. They don't know what bones are. Holy shit. Then have him by all means, said George. He did not seem averse (laughs) last night to go on such an adventure.
1: (laughs) Oh, Mr. Chillingworth.
0: I will ask him when he makes his visit this morning upon Flora, and should he not feel disposed to join us, I am quite sure he will keep the secret of our visit.
1: Are you also best friends with Mr. Chillingworth out of nowhere? You can't ask the, like, vicar or whatever to go visit your own vault, which I doubt he'd have any fucking thoughts at all about why you're doing it. So you're gonna break into the church to to visit the vault you own- In secret, but you will just go ahead and tell the doctor. Like, just in case, like, whatever. In case he wants to come hang out and tell you guys what bones are.
0: He's the only one who knows what bones are. (laughs) They need him. All this being arranged, Henry proceeded to Flora and told her that he and George and Mr. Marchdale wished to go out for about a couple of hours in the evening after dark if she felt sufficiently well to feel a sense of security without them. Flora changed color and slightly trembled, and then, as if ashamed of her fears, she said, Go, go, I will not detain you. Surely no harm can come to me in the presence of my mother. You sure? Okay, I could kill your mother handily, but all right, Flora. We shall not be gone longer than the time I mentioned to you, said Henry. Oh, I shall be quite content. Besides, am I to be kept thus in fear all my life? Surely, surely not. I ought, too, to learn to defend myself. Henry caught at the idea, as he said, If firearms were left to you, do you think you would have courage to use them? I oh, do, gosh. Henry.
1: She's just gonna shoot. So she's gonna shoot like just a villager or her mother.
0: Then you shall have them, and let me beg of you to shoot any one without the least hesitation who shall come <laughs> into your chamber. <laughs> oh, baller! I will, Henry. If ever human being was justified in the use of deadly weapons, I am now. <laughs> okay, Flora's got fucking full of rambo. Heaven protect me from a repetition of the visit to which I have now once been subjected. Rather, oh, much rather would I die a hundred deaths than suffer what I have suffered. Oh, shut up. Do not allow it, dear Flora, to press too heavily upon your mind in dwelling upon it in conversation. I still entertain a sanguine expectation that something may arise to afford a far less dreadful explanation of what has occurred than what you have put upon it. Be of good cheer, Flora. We shall go one hour after sunset and return in about two hours from the time at which we leave here, you may be assured.
1: What a cheeky little
0: joke. Yes. Notwithstanding this ready and courageous acquiescence of flora in the arrangement, Henry was not without his apprehension that when the night should come again, her fears would return with it. But he spoke to Mr. Chillingworth upon the subject and got that gentleman's ready consent to accompany him.
1: I really like notwithstanding he was not without. We're going to fling the negatives where they may go and hopefully the sentence will come out all right at the end.
0: He promised to meet them at the church porch exactly at nine o'clock and matters were all arranged and Henry waited with much eagerness and anxiety now for the coming night, which he hoped would dissipate one of the fearful deductions which his imagination had drawn from recent circumstances. He gave to Flora a pair of pistols of his own, upon which he knew he could depend, and he took good care to load them well, so there could be no likelihood whatever of their (laughs) missing fire at a critical moment.
1: there'd be no likelihood whatever of her not shooting herself in the goddamn foot.
0: Now, Floor, he said, I have seen you use firearms when you were much younger than you are now. Why? And therefore I need to give you no instructions. What? If any intruder does come and you do fire, be sure you take a good aim and shoot low. <laughs> okay. I will, Henry, I will, and you will be back in two hours? Most assuredly, I will. The day wore on, evening came, and then deepened into night. It turned out to be a cloudy night, and therefore the moon's brilliance was nothing near equal to what it had been on the preceding night. Still, however, it had sufficient power over the vapors that frequently covered it for many minutes together to produce a considerable light effect upon the face of nature, and the night was consequently very far indeed from what might be called a dark one. Whoa. Whoa. All that to say, it was a cloudy night.
1: I'm gonna give that the fucking the fucking Nobel Prize for longest way to say like a three-word sentence.
0: George, Henry, and Marchdale met in one of the lower rooms of the house previous to starting upon their expedition. And after satisfying themselves that they had with them all the tools that were necessary, inclusive of the same small but well-tempered iron crowbar with which Marchdale had, on the night of the visit to the vampire, forced open the door of Flora's chamber, they left the hall and proceeded at a rapid pace toward the church. Wow.
1: I'm glad I know that it was that crowbar that that feels really important to the story.
0: That was a 77-word sentence. Wow!
1: wow. (laughs) But but, surely it's going to become important that we know which crowbar it was, right?
0: Of course. And Flora does not seem much alarmed, said Marchdale, at being left alone. No, replied Henry. She has made up her mind with a strong natural courage which I knew was in her disposition to resist as much as possible the depressing effects of the awful visitation she has endured. Wow. It would have driven some really mad. It would indeed, and her own reason tottered on its throne, but thank heaven she has recovered. And I fervently hoped that through her life, added Marchdale, she may never have such another trial. We will not for a moment believe that such a thing can occur twice. She is one among a thousand. Most young girls would never at all have recovered the fearful shock to the nerves. Not only has she recovered, said Henry, but a spirit, which I am rejoiced to see, because it is one which I will uphold her, of resistance now possesses her.
1: Henry, you interrupted yourself six times in that sentence, Henry.
0: Yes, she actually, I forgot to tell you before, but she actually asked me for arms to resist any second visitation. You much surprised me? Yes, I was surprised as well as pleased myself. I would have left her one of my pistols had I been aware of her having made such a request. Do you know if she can use firearms? Oh, yes, well...
1: Wow, I mean, you know what they say about pretty blonde girls, everyone wants to give you a pistol.
0: What a pity, I have them both with me. Oh, she is provided. Provided? Yes, I found some pistols which I used to take with me on the continent. And she has them both well loaded, so that if the vampire <laughs> makes his appearance, he is likely to meet some rather warm reception.
1: My French pistols!
0: My vacation pistols!
1: For France!
0: <laughs> Good God, was it not dangerous? "'Not at all, I think. "'Well, you know best, certainly, of course. "'I hope the vampire may come "'and that we may have the pleasure, when we return, "'of finding him dead. "'By the by, I, I, bless me, "'I have forgot to get the materials for lights, "'which I pledged myself to do. "'How unfortunate. "'Walk on slowly while I run back and get them. "'Oh, we are too far. "'Helloa!' cried a man at this moment, (laughs) "'some distance in front of them. "'Oh, boy. "'It is Mr. Chillingworth,' said Henry.' "'Helloa!' cried the worthy doctor again. "'Is that you, my friend, Henry Bannerworth?' "'It is!' cried Henry. Mr. Chillingworth now came up to them and said, "'I was before my time, so rather than wait at the church porch, "'which would have exposed me to observation, perhaps, "'I thought it better to walk on and chance meeting with you.' "'You guessed we should come this way?' "'Yes, and so it turns out, really. "'It is unquestionably your most direct route to the church.' "'I think I will go back,' said Mr. Marchdale.' Back, exclaimed the doctor. What for? I forgot the means of getting lights. We have candles, but no means of lighting them.
1: <laughs> this, is, uh, this is thrilling. Oh my god. Are they going to light the candles? I, I, I Oh, tenterhooks.
0: Make yourselves easy on that score, said Mr. Chillingworth. I am never without some chemical matches of my own manufacture, so that as you have the candles, that can be no bar to our going on at once. That is fortunate, said Henry. Very, added Marchdale, for it seems a mile's hard walking to me, or at least half a mile from the hall. Let us now push on. They did push on. <laughs> okay, sure. All four walking at a brick space. The church, although it belonged to the village, was not in it. On the contrary, it was situated at the end of a lawn lane, which was a mile nearly from the village, in the direction of the hall. Therefore, in going to it from the hall, that amount of distance was saved, although it was always called and considered the village church. It stood alone with the exception of a glib house and two cottages that were occupied by persons who held situations about the sacred edifice, and who were supposed being on the spot to keep watch and ward over it. It was an ancient building of the early English style of architecture, or rather Norman, with one of those antique square short towers built of flint stones firmly embedded in cement, which from time had acquired almost the consistency of stone itself. There were numerous arched windows partaking something of the more florid gothic style, although scarcely ornamental enough to be called such. The edifice stood in the center of a graveyard, which extended over a space of about half an acre, and altogether it was one of the prettiest and most rural old churches within many miles of the spot.
1: Great. All right. Wow. Possessed by the spirit of J.R.R. Tolkien, I see.
0: Many a lover of the antique and of the picturesque, for it was both, went out of his way (laughs) while traveling in that neighborhood to look at it, and it had an extensive and well-deserved reputation as a fine specimen of its class and style of building.
1: Uh, wow. Well, I think it's easy to guess, like, just kind of what the writer's hobbies might be.
0: In Kent, to the present day, are some fine specimens of the old Roman style of church. Yeah, good to know I was correct. Yeah, all right. And although they are as rapidly pulled down as the abuse of modern architects and the cupidity of speculators and the vanity of clergymen can possibly encourage in order to erect flimsy Italianized structures <laughs> in their stead, yet sufficient of them remain dotted over England to interest the traveler. At Walesden, there is a church of this description which will well repay a visit. This, then, was the kind of building into which it was the intention of our four (laughs) friends to penetrate. Not on an unholy or unjustifiable errand, but on one which, proceeding from good and proper motives, it was highly desirable to conduct in as secret a manner as possible.
1: I wonder if this guy is into antique churches.
0: I wonder. The moon was more densely covered by clouds than it had yet been that evening. When they reached the little wicket gate which led into the churchyard, Through which was a regularly used thoroughfare We have a favorable night, remarked Henry For we are not so likely to be disturbed And now the question is How are we to get in, said Mr. Chillingworth As he paused and glanced up at the ancient building The doors, said George Would effectually resist us (laughs) Okay That's how doors work, George
1: That's how they do, George That's what they put them there for
0: How can it be done, then? The only way I can think of, said Henry, is to get out one of the small diamond-shaped panes of glass from one of the low windows, and then we can one of us put in our hands and undo the fastening, which is very simple when the window opens like a door and is but a step into the church.
1: You are going to break a window in the church, huh? Good guys.
0: A good way, said Marchdale.
1: Oh, good, Marchdale.
0: We will lose no time. Yes, we should break the window. They walked round the church till they came to a very low window, indeed, near to an angle of the wall, where a huge abutment struck far out into the burial ground. "'Will you do it, Henry?' said George. "'Yes. I have often noticed the fastenings. Just give me a slight hoist up, and all will be right.' George did so, and Henry with his knife easily bent back some of the leadwork which held in one of the panes of glass, and then got it out whole. He handed it down to George, saying, "'Take this, George. We can easily replace it when we leave.' so that there can be no signs left of anyone having been here at all.
1: I don't understand what's with the cloak and dagger for this.
0: When they could have absolutely just walked into the church during the daytime and asked one of the people working there, hey, can we look in the family crypt and be let down into the family crypt that they own?
1: They seem to like be possessed of the like the idea that everyone will give such an extreme amount of shit why they're doing it. Like, as if a Victorian gentleman, you would be like, oh, that's unusual
0: for him to be into, like, what, genealogy? George took the piece of thick, dim-colored glass, and in another moment, Henry had succeeded in opening the window, and the mode of ingress to the old church was fair and easy before them all, had there been ever so many. What? They could get as many people as they wanted into the church, I think, is what he was trying to say. I think, but man, what a sentence. I wonder, said Marchdale, that a place so inefficiently protected has never been robbed. You're going to criticize it, huh, Marchdale? No wonder at all, remarked Mr. Trillingworth. There is nothing to take that I am aware would repay anybody the trouble of taking. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Chillingworth, Not an article. The pulpit, to be sure, is covered with faded velvet, but beyond that, in an old box, in which I believe nothing is left but some books, I think there is no temptation. And that, heaven knows, is little enough, then. Talking shit on books? Come on, said Henry, be careful, there is nothing beneath the window and the depth is about two feet. Thus guided, they all got fairly into the sacred edifice, and then Henry closed the window and fastened it on the inside, as he said. We have nothing to do now but to set work opening way into the vault, and I trust that heaven will pardon me for this desecrating the tomb of my ancestors from a consideration of the object I have in view by so doing.
1: In what way is visiting a vault desecrating a tomb? That is a great question. This would have made more sense if the sentence had started with, "Uh Uh-oh, I really have to pee, so... I trust heaven will pardon me for thus desecrating the tomb of my
0: ancestors. It does seem wrong, thus, to tamper with the secrets of the tomb, remarked Mr. Marchdale. Said no Victorian ever. The secrets of a fiddlestick, said the doctor.
1: (laughs) Well, okay.
0: What secrets has the tomb, I wonder?
1: (laughs) Well, okay, he is a doctor.
0: Well, but my dear sir... Nay, my dear sir, it is high time that death, which is the inevitable fate of us all, should be regarded with more philosophic eyes than it is. There are no secrets in the tomb, but such as may well be endeavored to be kept secret. What do you mean? There is one which will very probably we shall find unpleasantly revealed. Oh,
1: I thought he was being reasonable. He's being crazy.
0: Which is that... The not-over-pleasant odor of decomposed animal remains. Beyond that, I know nothing of a secret nature that the tomb can show us.
1: oh he hasn't mentioned bones yet.
0: Ah, your profession hardens you to such matters. They're about to learn about bones. And a very good thing that it does, or else if all men were to look upon a dead body as something almost too dreadful to look upon, and by far too horrible to touch, surgery would lose its value, and crime, in many instances of the most obnoxious character, would go unpunished.
1: Okay, okay. Chillingsworth is coming through with the rationale.
0: If we have a light here, said Henry, we shall run the greatest chance in the world of being seen, for the church has many windows. Do not have one, then, by any means, said Mr. Chillingworth. A match held low down in the pew may enable us to open the vault. That will be the only plan. Henry led them to the pew which belonged to his family, and in the floor of which was the trap door. When was it last opened? inquired Marchdale. When my father died, said Henry, some ten months ago now, I should think. Wait,
1: that's right. His his father hasn't even been dead a year. It would be it would be particularly not unusual
0: for him to go visit that grave. The screws then have had ample time to fix themselves with fresh rust. Here is one of my chemical matches, said Mr. Chillingworth, as he suddenly irradiated the pew with a clear and beautiful flame that lasted about a minute. That's my favorite band.
1: My chemical matches.
0: <laughs> Sorry, you
1: didn't laugh, so I was just like Oh you did hear it though it was a very good joke. <laughs> yes it's
0: very good. The heads of the screws were easily discernible and the short time that the light lasted had enabled Henry to turn the key he had brought with him in the lock. I think that without a light now he said I can turn the screws well. Can you? Yes there are but four. Try it then. Do it then loser. Henry did so, and from the screws having very large heads and being made purposefully, for the convenience of removal when required, with deep indentations to receive the screwdriver...
1: Is that how that works? Great.
0: (laughs) He found no difficulty in feeling for the proper places and extracting the screws without any more light than was afforded to him from the general whitish aspect of the heavens. Now, Mr. Chillingworth, he said, another of your matches, if you please. I have all the screws so loose that I can pick them up with my fingers. Here, said the doctor. In another moment, the pew was as light as day, and Henry succeeded in taking out the few screws which he had placed in his pocket for the greater security, since, of course, the intention was to replace everything exactly as it was found, in order that not the least surmise should arise in the mind of any person that the vault had been opened and visited for any purpose whatever, secretly or otherwise. That was a 73-word sentence.
1: That's, uh, that's just kind of how we're rolling in here. That's the average length of a sentence, I guess.
0: Let us descend, said Henry. There is no further obstacle, my friends. Let us descend. If anyone, remarked George in a whisper as they slowly descended the stairs, which conducted into the vault, if anyone had told me that I should be descending into a vault for the purpose of ascertaining if a dead body, which had been nearly a century there, was removed or not and had become a vampire, I should have denounced the idea as one of the most observed that ever entered into the brain of a human being. <laughs> Audience. Yes, it is stupid. We are the very slaves of circumstance, said Mr. Marchdale, and we never know what we may do or what we may not. What appears to us so improbable as to border even upon the impossible at one time is at another the only course of action which appears feasibly open to us in attempt to pursue.
1: That was the minefield of a sentence.
0: They had now reached the vault, the floor of which was composed of flat red tiles laid in tolerable order of the one beside the other. <laughs> tolerable order? As Henry had stated, the vault was by no means of a large extent. Indeed several of the apartments for the living at the hall were much larger than the one Zeston for the dead. Okay. The atmosphere was dump and noisome. <laughs> That's a, generally
1: how they describe me.
0: I think they meant to write damp. <laughs> but they have written dump, dump. <laughs> dump and
1: noisome.
0: The atmosphere was dump and noisome, but not by any means so bad as might have been expected considering the number of months which had elapsed since last the vault was opened to receive one of its ghastly and still visitants. Now for one of your lights, Mr. Chillingworth. You say you have the candles, I think, Marchdale, although you forgot the matches. I have. They are here. Marchdale took from his pocket a parcel which contained several wax candles, and when it was opened, a smaller packet fell to the ground. Why, these are instantaneous matches, said Mr. Chillingworth, as he lifted the small packet up. They are, And what a fruitless journey I should have had back to the hall, said Mr. Marchdale, if you had not been so well provided as you are with the means of getting a light. These matches, which I thought I had not with me, have been in the hurry of departure enclosed, you see, with the candles. Truly, I should have hunted for them at home in vain. See, I wouldn't have gotten it, so I'm really glad that that took like roughly seven years to say. Mr. Chillingworth lit the wax candle which was now handed to him by Marchdale, and in another moment the vault from one end of it to the other was quite clearly discernible. And that's where the chapter ends.
1: Okay, so up until now, the chapter titles haven't lied to me. This one lied to me. I did not get to know its horrible result.
0: The horrible result was that the matches were in his pocket the whole time.
1: That that actually is it, huh? That is the horrible result. That's it. That's the horrible result. The horrible result is like, oh, damn, I was going to go back to try to find these matches, but they were here the whole time.
0: (laughs) So, Dee, what do you think they're going to find in the vault?
1: I cannot be sure. It seems as if it's pretty unclear what gets left of a person after being in a grave for a long time.
0: Will they ever find out what bones are?
1: Well, I mean, they're going to open it, so I think they're going to...
0: Well, I don't know, but if it's gone... They might never know what bones are.
1: Oh my god, if the if the
0: vampire's gone, they'll never know what a bones is. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you everyone for joining us for Chapter 7 of Varney the Vampire. And thank you for supporting the podcast through Patreon. We do hope you will join us for Chapter 8... The coffin, the absence of the dead, the mysterious circumstance, and the consternation of George. Spoiler warning, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Au revoir.
1: Goodbye.